and welcome to this week's episode of Hashtag Leadership, What's On Your Mind. Remember, we're a podcast where you stop and think about your leadership journey by bringing amazing people with amazing stories and experts in their field. So if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on our um, YouTube channel and follow us on your podcast provider. Every Wednesday, 6am, an amazing episode comes out. So today we are, Pete, we are speaking to Pete McCready. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm good, Stu. I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. So we know each other from my last unit I was at when I was in the RAF and we've stayed in touch, had great conversations about leadership. I'm really um, worried about how we're going to get this into 20 minutes. Um, But as we hit the 20 minute timer, Pete, just introduce yourself, tell us who you are and what you currently do. Well, thank you, Stu. First of all, thanks very much for having me on. I'm I'm as excited as you are about this. So... um, I guess I'm I'm probably 25 years now into into my leadership journey. I'm a I'm a family man. I'm an RAF officer. Uh, I'm a charity trustee, um, and leadership has been something that's been with me from from the start. A journey that you can embarrassingly chase back to scouts and air cadets, and, and has gone through so far a 22 year military career and and still going, and has has taken me to some fantastic places, put me in some fantastic situations and some pretty hairy situations, but also exposed me exposed me in a way I might not have gotten another walk alive to to industry to government to international politics to managing teams managing change um, and throughout all of that you're just learning so much about yourself which then goes back into who you are as a leader really so that's how I find myself here today. Excellent so just to start the two questions obviously we're hashtag leadership what's on your mind what comes to your mind when you hear that umbrella term that label leadership? Wow. Right. So I think it's a, it's a curious time to be asking this, I think, off the back of COVID, because I think one thing that that's probably stark in everyone's mind is um, who are following the sort of leadership hashtags is how much leadership is is having to evolve from what we typically think in, uh, of leadership. You know, from my military background, leadership was always very in the present, physical, leading at the front type leadership. Um, and 20 years ago, I'd, I'd have never envisaged having to somehow bring people through change through through video conferencing, for example. That was not an attribute that you know I'd have been taught at a military academy 20 plus years ago. So, but you know what? The, I don't, leadership hasn't changed. The, the basics of leadership, the ability of the communications to 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 be curious, to be creative, to emotional intelligence, I think, is an interesting one because I think with the the lack of personal contact with people, it's changed the dynamics of how relationships are done. I mean, just the informality today that I'm not in a uniform or a suit and, and nor are you, you know, I'm in a spare room at home as are you. Yeah. The, the dynamics have changed massively, but I guess at its foundation, doesn't matter through the centuries or whatever, the, the cause of leadership have remained the same. They've just been tested in a slightly different way probably nowadays, I would say. Yeah, and also like it's almost like the delivery has changed. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know, as we're all hopefully looking towards lockdown ending sometime next month, I think we've all adapted to the change, which certainly in my world has seen a huge amount of working at home. And I think it's going to challenge organizations because it's going to be hard to justify how you drag people back into offices that cost money. Um and, and how you justify tipping the balance back to certainly, you know, I, I work down in London and, and being away from your family and, and being in offices and doing meetings in the way we used to do it. 
this has given us a moment to rethink. Um, but I think the same challenge is coming now of how we adapted to working from home. We're going to have to adapt to a hybrid solution, I think, now. Um, in, my, in my world of work, I think there's, there's definitely an advantage to you need personal contact. I work a lot with, with foreign partners and you just need to be in a room. You need to be present. You need to build rapport. Yeah. And I think that leadership, you know, you need to be trustworthy. You need to be credible. You need to be genuine in front of a, in front of a customer or a partner or somebody who you're assisting. And that is more difficult at range over this. So I'm certainly welcoming getting back, but I do think it's sort of driven a huge amount of efficiencies that we can lever to our benefit as, as leaders and the managers can lever that to their advantage. Yeah, awesome. So you alluded to, to it a little bit in your introduction, but on whether it's on reflection or there was a light bulb moment at the time, where do you think your leadership journey goes back to? Is there a moment you can look at or there was something happened? Where did it start for you? For me, for me, I guess my 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 light bulb moment was probably Afghanistan in 2010. Um, I was I was the first operations officer into Camp Bastion, which was the, the UK headquarters in, in South Helmand at the time of the airbase. Uh, and there was a major incident where I was kind of at the center of trying to get through it. And the reason that was my light bulb moment was my RAF journey had started 11 years prior. Um, and, you know, in the Air Force, we're very fortunate in the military that the way in which we teach leadership, uh, we don't have a monopoly on leadership, but I, I think compared to many of the walks of life, there's a, a structured way we get schooled in the academics of it. We get put through our paces to, to do it. We learn about ourselves. We learn how to lead teams. We learn how to lead change. And we've done all the, you know, we've done all the courses and we've worked, you know, I'd worked on air bases at that point, but it kind of all came to a head during a particularly sort of hairy situation in, in Afghanistan where it's, you're by yourself now, and this is 11 years worth of leadership training, and now you've got to lead and there's consequences. And up until that point, I hadn't. Uh, and for me, that's the point where I feel that I've gone from being a manager that displayed leadership traits to I've now got to lead. Um, and it was, it was, it was game-changing. It, it was hairy. It was hairy for all involved, but it was game-changing because after that, it said, right, personally, I felt I've arrived. I can now say I have led. Um, and I can now use that as the platform for the next part of my journey, which is now develop my leadership. Up until that point, I've been practicing, really, but I'd cut my teeth, I guess, in that incident. So that's really interesting because I, I talk all the time about taking leadership off the page, and I had a couple of hairy situations where I reflected on the training that I had and then the more sort of technical training than specifically leadership training. But there was a little bit of element in there as well as a couple of the early situations I found myself in in the adventure training world. Um, <clears throat> but what sort of immediate dynamic reflections did you have on that incident related to the, the 11 years that built up to that? Were there any key elements that you thought, that was really important that I'd done that learning to be able to implement in that moment in time. Yeah, I think I think doing it in the doing it in the physical, but then realizing that the academic has sort of fed everything that's led up to that point. It happened kind of naturally, and I don't mean that in a kind of wow way. There wasn't time to think about what was going on. There was a sort of 12-hour period of really intense pressure and risk and real you know dire consequence if it went wrong and everything just fell into place and what strikes me even thinking about it as we're talking now actually was a relative calmness over that period because 
it could, you know, it, you know, whatever it is, everything came together and it all, you know, communicating to the stakeholders, reassuring your subordinates, reassuring commanders, pausing, look, you know, there was a lot of ambiguity at that moment. It was kind of right, we don't know, what, we don't know everything that's going on. We're not gonna know everything that's going on, but if we don't act, the consequences will be worse than not acting. So make bold decisions, be comfortable with your decisions, reassure people that this is the right course of action based on the information you have available at the time. Um, and it was, it strikes me how calm it was, the sort of execution of the task. Mm. After that, you know, you're a, you're a dribbling mess and you sort of, the nerves kick back in and you're shaking and you're like, wow. But it, it just showed that it came together and certainly in the context of leadership in, in the way that maybe many envisage it in the military, that's exactly what we were trained to do, to be in that moment and deliver what needed delivering. Um, but it was about, it was about being credible. It was about inspiring those around you and giving them the confidence that we're all on the right path, we're in this together. It was absolutely about, you know, maximizing every inch of effort out of everybody to be greater than some of your parts because we simply could not have done it otherwise. Um, so as I say, I, I don't think there is one style of leadership. I think your leadership adapts to the situation you find yourself in or, where, or the task at hand. Um, but that that would be that would be where I look back to and go, yeah, that was my big bang moment, really. Yeah, awesome. So, how do you think your leadership has developed over time since, obviously, that moment? But then, obviously, that was not too long ago. Um, so, how do you think that's molded you into what you are today? I think that provided confidence, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I came back from that tour in Afghanistan, and I went into my first sort of, I, I guess, sort of management executive type role. Um, you know, you're always going to go into that role slightly buoyed up by the fact you'd come back from an operation and you, you'd done well. Um, but it made you realise that that calmness and that reassurance and, and sit back and take time. You don't need to react instantly. I think that can often be a um, that can that can often be to people's advantages. Jumping straight in, you can sit back. Time will often give you what the answer is. Um, you don't need to just jump in straight away. But also. Like, I think also uh, managing teams for the first time at a sort of a, at a broader level, and we're talking about 30, 40 people now, it's understanding the dynamics that um, I was a fairly junior officer coming into the Air Force. So I'd often find myself in a work environment where I would, you know, we've got people who are married, we've got people who are going through real life problems, we've got children, we've got domestic issues, we've got career issues, and I'm the youngest one in the room. Um, and that in itself can be quite challenging, but for the confidence to go into that environment and go, we need to listen, we need to reassure, we need to actively listen, not just not just get people in and out and hear what they're saying. We need to actively understand what are the issues because ultimately we're responsible for bringing all of those elements together. And it is people, you know, in my walk of life in the military, it's about people, it's not about machines and technology. It's about the individuals you have around you to bring them all together, get the best out of each of them, and that doesn't mean one style of leadership. You know, how you approach that individual can be very different to how you need to motivate or approach that individual. Yeah. But collectively, when you aggregate that kind of leadership skill, you know, you get what you need out of your team. So I yeah. think, yeah, it's confidence really to just proceed with my style and how I like to do it. Yeah, fantastic. And I know, let's move on to obviously, you're a big advocate of the outdoors, the adventure training, obviously um, the, the stuff that I came from my background. Tell us a little bit about how you see the transfer of the skills and some of the things that you can gain or you have gained from operating in the out, 
outdoor environments? I think it's directly transferable. I mean, both in a military sense, but I just think you look at, you know, in the UK, you look at the scouting movement or the air cadets or youth programs. It's a lot of it centers in the outdoors and it, and it has done for decades, you know. So I think the skills that, uh, for, for me, my passion is mountaineering uh, and I've done it all over the world. Um, that, that's where I'd be playing if I could, you know, um, and I've had the privilege to go and lead a couple of um, rather large expeditions. I've been to extreme altitude out in Nepal. I've, I've dealt with issues out there. And I think mountaineering for me is a very good example of, of leadership in a really practical sense um, because it is about teamwork. It is about decision making. It is about dealing with dynamic risk assessing. It's about handling ambiguity. You, you don't have a handle on everything in the mountains. You can't always predict the weather or the avalanches. And, you know, you don't hold all the cards when you're in a mountainous environment. And I don't think, I don't think, as a leader, you, you ever hold all of the cards, but you just have to know how you're going to respond or anticipate how the cards might fall on the other side. And for me, mountaineering really exemplifies that, to be honest with you. Um, so it's, it's the military, and there's probably a reason in that itself as to why the military uses the likes of mountaineering and outdoor sort of more adventurous activities as a vehicle to test and develop and hone leadership. Um, so that when the moments come in sort of more challenging operational situations, you've you felt the pressure, you've you've been in an environment where there's consequence. Yeah. And I think that's I think at times that's the key thing. And and consequence doesn't have to just be in a military sense of sort of the life or death or danger. Businesses take business risk, you know, business risk leads to business failures, which affects people's livelihood. So leaders have that responsibility of consequence um, throughout. It doesn't matter what environment it's in. Yeah. So let me ask you about challenge now. <clears throat> and I know that you've um, spent some time now in more of a corporate role or been exposed to more um, corporate-ness, if you like, in, in the outside world of the uh, military bubble. Um, I always call it the military bubble. And obviously what we're doing with Star Development UK is, is really bringing some of those ethos and some of those outdoor environments and that test and challenge from what you've seen out there, one of the key things that we're going to be doing is going in and challenging the norm and challenging the perspectives and getting people to think differently. How's it helped you in those situations of being around the boardroom in a very much corporate environment? And how have you found that being a, what I would deem an outsider, but to bring that challenge of somebody different into the room? Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. And I think it's, it's very of the moment as well. You know, you asked earlier about, you know, what's on your mind and where's leadership at? We talk a lot now about, you know, cognitive diversity in the boardroom. Um, and, you know, I, I was, of course, sort of nervous going into these type of roles, saying like 22 years in the military, no corporate experience. But actually, when you look at the parallels across into what's required into the corporate world or, or you know, not even that, the parallels in leadership and management roles, they're identical. It's just the context of difference. Um, and I think if you can challenge, so the role I'm in now, if you can challenge and you have the courage to challenge, be curious and ask why, you know, I, I still, I'm still learning, you know, this is, I'm, I'm one year into a corporate environment. Um, I have to say, I'm really sorry. Could you just explain that again, please? Or can you just read it in? But it also gives you a different perspective. Um, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in sports or business in the military, we're always cautious about, you know, being overconfident, being, you know, what are our blind spots? Um, and I think having an outsider in the room, and, and this parallels as well to some work, um, I'm a trustee with a charity, and it's, 
it's exactly the same. You're going in and saying, I don't come with you know 20 years of you know voluntary sector experience, but I can still hold a mirror up to the board and I can constructively challenge you. Um, I just bring a different perspective through the diversity of my experience, brings a different perspective to the boardroom. But I also then bring skill sets to the boardroom that, you know, I, in the role I do now, I represent um, a government department. I understand the politics of it a lot more. So I also can, can hold that prism up to the boardroom and say, I understand your business decision, or I understand how you've arrived at the, how you want to take this forward. But how is that going to, you're going to the government to ask for support. How is that going to land? How is that going to look? Do you think that's achievable? So you can also challenge their, you can challenge their assumptions from your experience. So it's been, it's been great fun, actually, and I'm learning a huge amount on the way about the, you know, the, the corporate side of life. And hopefully, I'm, you know, I'm adding to those boardrooms and they're learning a little bit from, from the way that in the military, we're expected to challenge. We're expected to, you know, truth to power because the consequences are too high if, you, if you're just willing to go with something you know is wrong. So I think they do welcome that sometimes candor in the boardroom. Excellent. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think it's getting that, using a military term, like getting that buy-in and getting that, um, the people who understand the, the benefits and the value of that input. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, it's, uh, again, we're very fortunate in the military to be, be, to, be tra to be trained, not just in leadership, but we start looking into policy development and strategy setting and writing strategies and delivering strategies. And and the same is true in executive programs for in the corporate world and and they all converge and you know the, the military again does not have the monopoly on you know the, the uk's strategist but we have a very good grounding in it and that allows you to just come in very objectively uh, and look in a corporate environment and go that simply doesn't make sense or i understand where you want to get to but you've missed out a few of the stepping stones on the way you haven't articulated how we're getting there we might want to just work in this little area yeah, awesome. So we have two and a half minutes left. Two and a half minutes left. It flies by. Um, we mentioned just before we jumped on that um, obviously the people listening to this are wanting to level up their leadership by listening to great stories and changing their perspectives and thinking differently about their environments, teams and organisations. Um, you mentioned you had some things that you'd pass on. So I'm going to put you on the spot. And can you share those three things with us? Uh, yeah. Um... So, so there's three things I carry with me everywhere, really, and this is both in terms of trying to uh, it balances both trying to trying to trying to be aspire to be that good leader, but also to develop myself so that I can hopefully become a better leader and add more value to the organisations and and the individuals that I work with. Um, active listening is at the key of it because I think leadership's about taking in information. You, you need the information to make your decisions. You need to cut through the complexities. Um, and if you're not actively listening, if you're just sort of hearing, then you're missing the information that you need to make your decisions. And it's often those little subtleties, whether that's personal dynamics um, or whether it's not quite spotting that problem down route that you really wish you had of in hindsight. So I think active listening is the first thing. Um, it also, I think, builds your credibility and, and shows you care when you're listening to those people. You're empowering individuals. You're taking constructive criticism back. Um, and you know so i think that's one of them the second you've got to be authentic uh, there's one thing i've found in sort of i guess 20 20 plus years of doing this that when you get in the really sticky stressful situations be that in my instance the operational uh, where you're really faced with conundrums and dilemmas that it's not just a difficult task there is no good outcome in some respects it's you've just got to sort of power through 
um, albeit in the mountaineering where often there's conundrums and dilemmas as well as difficult challenges. Once you're under pressure, once you're tired, you are who you are. There's no point putting, you know, being false about it. You might as well just be, this is me. These are my failings and all, but these are what I bring to the party as a leader. Because you can't hide that when you're absolutely when your back's against the wall, basically. So be authentic. And then I guess the last one is just always be curious. You've got to remain curious because if you're not curious, you're not asking the questions, you're not thinking the what ifs, the whys. Um, and that's but it also feeds the creativity, the innovation. It's not just identifying risks or seeing how you make something more efficient. So I think at all of this is remain curious to benefit the organization, but also remain curious so you can learn yourself, you know, so you can develop. Yeah, do you know that's what shines through from what you've just spoken about, the amount of times you've said about your learning and development. And I think from what you've um, spoken about, we can hear as an audience where how all that knits together in, in your story. So that comes across really well. So Pete, thank you so much for your time today. It's been amazing. We will continue to catch up and have even longer conversations about leadership. Uh, <coughs> so thank you so much, guys. If you enjoyed that, I'd love to hear your comments and what your takeaways are from this episode. If you're listening to us on your podcast provider, make sure you hit a follow and pass it forwards. And if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, make sure you hit subscribe, hit the bell. And like I said, every Wednesday, 6 a.m., we have amazing guests joining us on the podcast. So Pete, thank you again. Thank you, Stu. And see you all next week, guys. Take care. Bye.